This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome to Seattle Sports at Night. I am Jake Heaps, joined by Seahawks insider Stacey Rost. Not bad for my first intro here as lead host of of Seattle Sports at Night. We're trying things out. We're learning. We're growing. Uh, Stacey, a lot happened over the weekend. A lot. uh, A lot to dive into here. Uh, Obviously, I don't think we should waste any more time. Let's dive right into the timeline. The Seahawks beat the Chargers 23-15 in their third preseason game. Yes. Uh, Stacy, what did you what were your what were your initial thoughts from that game? Um I think it was their best outing of the season. We were texting about this earlier. Um I think it was I mean, you can't say like it's a totally complete game, but I think it was their most in- complete game. Defense had a quick three and out to start it. Always good news. Michael Kendricks looked good. Yes. Um post game, I ended up writing about two things. CJ Procise and Michael Kendricks. And we can get into that. Urgh. I know, I know. I got some strong takeaways about CJ Procise. Do you? Yes. I can't wait to hear them. So we're going to talk about that at uh, seven or 7.30. Yeah, I, I think some guys uh, in terms of this game really stood out to me that, that really jumped off the page and, and really helped themselves to make this roster. And this is honestly from the first team. This is what you wanted to see. You wanted to see on defense Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, Michael mm-hmm. Kendricks come out and play well and solidify that defense a little bit more than what we've seen the first two weeks and the offense continues to keep plugging along and and what we saw more of was a running game and and just be more Mm -hmm. physical and and if anything hasn't changed from last year is that they are one of the most physical teams especially at the line of scrimmage. They very much established the run in this game. John Schneider said in the pregame interview on 710 ESPN Seattle that he wanted to establish the run. I don't know if part of that was just to kind of get back to that. Part of it was maybe just to keep Russell Wilson healthy. Maybe part of it was to make sure that they got uh, a, a look at this like deep uh, running back room that they have right now, but they certainly did that. I think they had 47 carries. I wrote it down. Almost 40 carries to like a little less than 30 passes, but uh, yardage-wise it works out. They had well over 100 yards on the ground. Best performance so far this preseason for those running backs, and it certainly makes for a very interesting position battle, without a doubt. And also, also you got to look at David Moore getting injured, right? Oh, uh, yeah. With David Moore getting injured, it opens a lot of room on that receiving uh, group where there's so much competition. And so, when it comes down to final cuts, and again, Stacy, Saturday, Saturday is when this roster is weird? going to be finalized. It's crazy. Preseason game on Thursday, it feels like it's just around the corner. And honestly, you mentioned David Moore. I forgot that because that injury happened Friday and that announcement happened Friday that he would miss so much time. We haven't even had a chance to talk about it. There's right. so much stuff that happened between Friday and today. There really is and, and so little time. The Mariners over the weekend, they took two out of three in their series against the Blue Jays. To me, I thought this was a really clean series for the Mariners yep. against a really talented young group uh, from the Blue Jays and and despite the hostile crowd, which is the Canadians that come they down for the, down. the Blue Jays. Yes, the Mariners... <laughs> shut them down uh, through that series. So it was a fun, fun series to watch. And and uh, who stood out to you, Stacey? Um, you know, well, I, I'll start by saying that I think Justice Sheffield for his, not his first ever outing with the Mariners, but his start quieted down after that first inning, which had, what did he have, like 37 pitches? It yeah. was this insane. I mean, I'm pretty sure that first game between them was maybe, um, this is a rough estimate, like eight hours long. 
just it was about j- very <laughs> long. Eight, nine, maybe 15 hours long. I'm not sure. It's just, that's from what I remember. Um, but settled down, ended up uh, having a good game. Let's see. Uh, Austin Nola has looked good. Um, yeah, Malik Smith. Uh, I mean, I, gosh, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I was so focused on Sheffield and Felix right. heading into it and watching for them that. Well, and rightfully so. I mean, Justice Sheffield is hopefully going to be a big piece of the future here, and yeah. and that was really important for him. And then Felix, obviously, you want to see him end his career here as a Mariner on the mm-hmm. right note. So, mm-hmm. uh, rightfully so, watching those guys, and and I think that this group has been pleasantly surprising in terms of how bad the, there's been certain stretches yeah. and and infuriating as they've been. I think as they finish and wrap up the season, I feel more I feel better about the Mariners and where they stand in, in their rebuild than where I was definitely in April, May. That's well, for sure. And when we were talking about it a while ago, it was like, okay, yeah, like they're building towards the future. This is why you don't get upset right now. But what you wanted to see was that those players who were going to be big parts of it on the future were like really impressing and JP Crawford looked great but early on dealt with that I think an ankle injury and yeah so you were just kind of wondering when these guys would start to just blow everyone away and obviously they're still young so they might not do it now but so far so good I think for this group no nah, I would I would agree with that big news on Montlake with Jake Hayner uh, leaving the Huskies after Jacob Eason was named the starting quarterback to me this one was frustrating I, I knew that this was probably going to be the reaction and I felt all along, Stacy, that not only was it a close quarterback battle, but I saw, but I felt more so than anything that they were trying to massage this situation in terms of making sure that Jake Hayner didn't leave. That hopefully that they drug it on long enough for the yeah. season, closer to the season, where he couldn't transfer, and in, in, inevitably he did. And so now, as a quarterback situation you're left in a really tough spot for uh, with the Huskies and now Jacob Sermon becomes your backup quarterback Dylan Morris played great through training camp so you have two really young guys as your backup quarterback if anything else that I walked away from the Stacey is that the Huskies now have to be all in with Jacob Eason there's Mm -hmm. no quarterback controversy now and this is Jacob Eason's team and you've got to make it work if you're the Husky coaching staff do you think that's why Chris Peterson said we're still gonna let Hainer play no a series or two in the opener. He's deserved it. Do you think a lot of that was just like, we just really want to make sure that we keep him on the line a bit? Correct. I think so. I think that had more to do with it than anything else. But at the same time, Stacy, I do believe that Chris Peterson wasn't completely sold on the decision yet, that he was still trying to feel out that process and see which quarterback popped. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I say I, I really believe that this was ultimately the best thing to happen for the Huskies so that there would be no back and forth. There would be no uh, indecisiveness yep. in terms of where to go and if things got tough that they turn to the next guy that they've got to make this work and with Jacob Eason he's talented enough that they can make it happen so uh, again I, I wish Jacob Hayner nothing but the best mm-hmm. I think he's a great kid uh, he gave everything that he had in his short time here to UW and unfortunately for him he just never really had the full talent and measurables uh, to really take over things here on Montlake and we'll, we'll see where he ends up going there's a lot of rumors that it'll be fresno state coming up here very soon with jeff tedford interesting yeah uh lastly bombshell i know i know and we're gonna get into this in the next segment because i have a lot yes there is there is definitely a lot to get into this with andrew luck uh, announcing his retirement on saturday 
I honestly, when I first saw it, I was looking around thinking that this was just from a fake Twitter account. I had to double check because I was like, I don't want to be this person. I don't want to retweet fake Adam Schefter. And so I like quadruple <laughs> checked for that little blue check mark. And I was still floored. Scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being maybe the most shocking sports news you can remember in a while. How do you feel about this? Uh, I would say that this is probably about a 8 for me. And the reason why it's not a 10 is just because when you look at Andrew Luck's personality, he's always been a cerebral person. He's always been someone that strikes me that... Uh, football is not everything to mm-hmm. him. And I don't mean that in a negative way, that I think that there is a lot to Andrew Luck other than just football. And also understanding that this guy has been through the ringer in his yeah. short career uh, in the NFL with injuries. I mean, every single year it seemed like he was dealing with some, not just a, a little injury, but a Serious. gruesome injury. And that I think the shocking part of it to me, Stacy, was that he retired with an ankle sprain. Right? Like, out of all the injuries that he faced, it was an ankle sprain. Right. That he walked away from. Out of, like, the ruptured spleen. Right. Or whatever. It was like, you know, I can't. But, to be fair, I mean, I think, too, I I don't know that this was part of his decision-making, but, and we'll get into it next, but I have to wonder if part of it, too, was a fear of potential head injuries. I mean, this is a guy that was, like, an engineering major at Stanford. Right. Clearly really values, you know, his... Brain power. I don't think that this is something that, like, is, you know, because athletes don't walk away, they sacrifice. But I think it's something that, like, I wonder if to him, football, like you said, it was always secondary to, like, his own kind of personal goals about, you know, yeah. things that he felt truly passionate about. No, 100%. So. And, and again, uh, we are, we're going to dive into that this next segment. So, and Stacy, I think that's a good landing spot for us to go into break. Coming up next, we're going to dive and get into a closer look into Andrew Luck's retirement and what that means uh, for him and the Indianapolis Colts moving forward and the outrage that was around, positive and negative, Ooh. the reaction from Twitter. Uh, a lot to dive into here. And so that'll be coming up next on Seattle Sports at Night. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Don't forget to text into the Coors Light text line 710-710. Let us know where you're listening from. We love our listeners and especially getting to see where you guys are listening from all across the state, all across the Northwest, and even all Shout across out. the country. Shout out to Hawaii. Hawaii. Shout out to Florida. We got your evening drive, That's Hawaii. right. Shout out to California. <laughs> Those have been our our mainstays in terms of our uh, countrywide audience. And maybe, Stacy, this will continue to grow. We will flood all 50 states. It's very weird. We have Hawaii, the people driving home from work that uh, just happen to be Seahawks fans or Mariners fans. And then in Florida, I think we have some of the insomniacs. Yes. People that can't sleep. They're like, oh, man, I just I got to listen to something. Right. No matter what's going on, we appreciate you guys tuning in with us. And let's let's head over to the biggest news of the weekend. It wasn't Seahawks news. There was a preseason game. Lots to take away from it. First teamers playing a lot of minutes. Mm -hmm. But the biggest news that came from the weekend was Andrew Luck's retirement. And the biggest bomb was dropped by Adam Schefter when he tweeted out, Andrew Luck has informed the Colts he is retiring from the NFL. There will be a press conference Sunday to make it official. 
Andrew Luck already has met with Colts owner Jim Ursay to tell him that he is retiring per source. Now, I don't know about you, Stacey, but my first reaction, and just my honest reaction, yeah. is, man, this guy put his team in such a difficult position heading into the season. I mean, just before the season, and he is dropping this bomb on the team, and Andrew Luck and the Colts are in position to be a Super Bowl contender, mm-hmm. and now that dream is unlikely at this point without Andrew Luck. Well, and I think that's what made it such an interesting conversation, not just last night, but this morning. So just as a sidebar, last night, Doug Gottlieb, and this is what sparked so much of a conversation this morning on Brock and Salk. Yeah. Doug Gottlieb, I saw this tweet, thanks to Jake, who retweeted, very disappointed. Doug Gottlieb said, retiring because rehabbing is, quote, too hard is the most millennial thing ever about Andrew Luck. So I think that inspired a conversation on Brock and Salk this morning um, about what Andrew Luck or what players in general owe fans. Because Andrew Luck was also booed when he walked off the field because that news broke at 6.28 p.m. Um, That's our local time, but Indianapolis was in the middle of a game. Andrew Luck was on the sideline. It was very surreal. He's walking off the field and he's being booed by fans. The camera showed some fans taking off their jerseys, um, looking really disappointed. And so the conversation, I think, is there was a lot of, I think overall, most people, at least that I was seeing on Twitter from like a national perspective, and I'm talking like Ian Rappaport, a lot of different reporters, yeah. were kind of disappointed that fans were booing, felt like Andrew Luck, it's his body, he can he can leave the game when he wants. He's been through a lot. He's also done a lot for this town. Right. Um, you know, was it right for fans to boo? What do players owe fans? That's the conversation that was happening this morning. And I'm on and I'm I'll admit that there are multiple perspectives that are fair, but I'm on the side of I thought booing was just a gross kind of response to that news. Atrocious. I, I wasn't happy to see that. And uh, I, I didn't like Doug Gottlieb's take. I think Andrew Luck has been through the ringer and back as far as his injuries go. I also think that he's someone who has a life that he wants outside of football. And he probably felt like, you know, I know people are upset he left right before the season, but... I mean, it was probably now or never for him. I mean, right. he's not going to leave week eight, week no. nine, leave his team hanging. Um, and it, there was a rumor that Indianapolis was thinking of pitting him on IR to begin with. So, I mean, it was sounding like he already wasn't going to start the season. Yeah, for me, I look at this and and Doug Gottlieb's tweet to me was absolutely uncalled for. Yeah. A horrible take. Um, and is one of those things that, again, it perceives Andrew Luck as if he is soft, as if he right. is just walking away from the game uh, because things were too hard for him. You have to understand that as an athlete and everything that he put his body through in those seven mm-hmm. seasons, his body has been through the ringer. Yes. The list of injuries have been dramatic. These haven't been little nicks and bruises that, man, Andrew Luck just can't gut it out and nope. go play. Toughness has never been a question with Andrew Luck. He's been surrounded by a horrific offensive line uh, through the majority of his career. And and so it leads me to another takeaway in terms of later I'll get into that. Mm -hmm. But uh, he's been through the ringer. And it got to a point for Andrew Luck where he was more dealing with the rehab process and the injury recovery process than he was playing the game that he loved. 
And ultimately, that is not the life that he envisioned for himself or his career going. And I understand all the things moving forward and and the excitement that Indianapolis Colts fans had, the team had, all of that. But as a player, if you are mentally not in it and you don't love the game, you are not going to be at your best. And your preparation is going to suffer. And ultimately, you're not going to be the same Andrew Luck that everybody thinks you're going to be. And so with all those things being said, Andrew Luck is in control of his body, what he puts his body through, his emotional state, physically and mentally. And also, you got to remember that this kid, that this guy has a wife. Mm-hmm. He has kids. He wants to be around to play with his kids and to be there for his wife uh, physically and emotionally. There is so much to life than just football. Yeah. And that's the approach that Andrew Luck is taking in this moment. And as hard as it may be for Indianapolis Colts fans or for Seahawks fans to imagine Russell Wilson all of a sudden just walking away, I can understand the the disappointment and frustration right. and and sense of loss, but I do not and will never understand the boos, the tearing off of the jerseys, the uh, the burning of the jerseys, those the, like, to me... anger. Like, this correct. guy brought you back to the playoffs for the first time since 2014 last year. He's been the best player your organization has had. You went from having Peyton Manning to having Andrew Luck. I mean, you've been blessed in the quarterback department. Obviously, Andrew Luck has been kind of snake-bitten and has dealt with some really serious injuries, and so that hasn't paid off the way that it should have on paper. But either way, he's done so much for this organization. This organization would have been a hot mess without Andrew Luck under center. Correct. And again, going back to those those tough stretches in the middle of his career where their offensive line was abysmal. And I think about it, and I'm just counting our lucky stars that Russell yeah. Wilson, right, in three years, he had the worst offensive line in the NFL, and Russell remained relatively healthy. He wasn't healthy but remained relatively healthy and was able to play through some of the difficult injuries that he had. So mm-hmm. very, very fortunate for Russell Wilson's durability through all of that. And when you look at this Andrew Luck situation, it just rem- it, I reflect to my own. I didn't have physical damages to my body the way that Andrew Luck did. But what I did have was emotional damages from quarterback battles, from decisions being made, from politics being played, and it changed my outlook on the game that I loved. From this innocent outlook, Stacey, that I had loving and playing the game and playing it with a passion. Exactly. Made those sacrifices. For sure. Then you have to start considering and wondering do I love this game enough? And for a long time for me, and still, I love this game and would do almost anything for it. But at the same time, it is very easy to go through a process like Andrew Luck has gone through and not have the same love for the game that he once did and the same desire and drive to go rehab at 5 in the morning every single day to get his body back into shape just to inevitably feel like you're Mm -hmm. going to beat it up and do it all over again. And Jake, I'm really glad you said that and you brought in that perspective um, because I think that's something that that me and the the millions of folks who watch – the games every Sunday don't always understand is that perspective of the player in the game. And you bring up an interesting point. It isn't always just injuries. Sometimes it's, um, I mean, you look at like Jake Locker in Tennessee, who uh, there was reports that the um, 
and I think he might have said this in an interview that it just felt more business than it used to, that this was a guy that loved college football and the pros weren't like that. And it's just a different vibe. And I think that this is something that a lot of fans and people that haven't played the sport miss out on. And that's not to say that I I haven't played the sport. I still feel I should be allowed to talk about it and analyze it and have conversations about it. But I think that sometimes what we all need to remind ourselves is that you aren't in it in the same way. And we're playing with house money. Correct. I don't have to make a sacrifice by uh, by watching this game, by learning about this game. It's not up to me to judge someone for deciding to walk away when I'm not getting up to do rehab at 5 a.m. Right. I'm not staying late to do film study. I'm not uh, dealing with Twitter trolls telling me how awful I am and threatening me or threatening my family. I'm not dealing with, uh, you know, like you said, quarterback battles that made me question myself, question my love of the game, question, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. really force me to... to try to build up my confidence again. I mean, all of that's so challenging. I, and, and I think that's the perfect part is is calling it house money is, as a fan and having fandom in your team. That's why with Andrew Luck, this is all Andrew Luck's decision. And anybody else, I, again, I'm not saying you can't feel frustrated. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying you can't be a fan and feel ripped like, right. gosh, we had Super Bowl opportunities and now with Andrew Luck, we're disappointed that it's not going to come to fruition. I get that. But it's more so... Andrew Luck, at his, this point in time, at 29 years old, think about that, 29 years old, still heading into the prime of his career, yeah. is walking away from the game because physically and emotionally he is drained. And it doesn't come something, that decision doesn't come lightly from Andrew Luck. And you can hear how revered he is from his teammates in that locker room. Yeah. And they understand that it was a very difficult decision from Andrew Luck. They don't think he's being selfish. Are they disappointed? Sure. But they also love and support him. And so if his teammates in that locker room, the guys that it affects the most, understand and love him and support him in that role, then everybody else needs to be doing the same. And anybody else's take uh, outside of that, I just think that you're wrong. And, and and look, it's not to say that you can't question. It's not to say that you can't have your own opinion mm-hmm. on things. I've seen other quarterbacks, you know, retired quarterbacks saying, Man, I would have done anything to, you know, strap it up one more time. And especially at this point uh, of the season. And I get that. But at the same time, you're not Andrew Luck. You don't know what he's going through personally, physically, and emotionally. And that's why you just can't step in his shoes and say what you would do because that's not what Andrew Luck would do. So, with all those things being said, that's why this conversation, Stacey, is just so fascinating. And I'm sure we could dive into it so much more, but I thought that was a really fun conversation. And um, make sure you guys are listening to our show via the 710 Sports app, driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Coming up next, we got some Seahawk takeaways for you. And trust me, they are strong. That is next on Seattle Sports at Night. Welcome back. Man, Stacy. we had some awesome conversation even into the break about Andrew Luck. Again, there's just so much to dive into, so many angles mm-hmm. that you could take that story. I can't stop talking about it. Yeah, and, and really, our, our whole station, as you look through the day, uh, everybody was talking about it in the sports pit, mm-hmm. and I just feel like this is a story that is going to linger on for quite some time. And I don't think we're done with Andrew Luck just yet. I just got a feeling you think, on you this. You mean there's a chance he could come back? Well, I, I don't know. I, I Just look at it from this perspective. 
you walk away from the game and I think you understand what you're getting yourself into yeah. until you're away from the game for a substantial amount of time. See, here's the thing. In my mind, I was like, automatically, no, like he's done. He's not coming back. But I've never had to give up on something I've loved my whole life right? and, and walk away from it. And for him, again, you could say, well, Jake, that's not going to be the case because he has sat on the sidelines and, and has had the game removed from him from an injury standpoint. Yeah, that's true. But it was always there. It was always there for him. But if he is healthy and starting to feel good about where he's at and where he can be, and if the Colts are in any situation where they're currently at right now in in terms of being a Super Bowl, legitimate Super Bowl contender, Mm -hmm. don't rule it out just yet. Sometimes retirement has a funny way of of manifesting itself on on guys when they're away from the game. So uh, let's get into our Seahawk takeaways here, Stacey, because I know... I know that you are just ready to drop some knowledge with your substantial takeaways. I do, and I took them in my new notebook. I know this is bad radio (laughs) because y'all can't see it, but it looks great. It does. Her penmanship is seriously... (laughs) Phenomenal. I should post a picture. Well, yeah, it is something that I really don't believe that she writes this because... Type it out. It's way too good and way too clean. Uh, I, I just can't experience anything like that that is not been the case for my handwriting. It's fine. That's fine. A and lot of people... And your font. Your font of your handwriting really throws me off, too. It's unreal. I mean, that should be what our segment is about, but whatever. <laughs> Here I am. Uh, my biggest takeaway of the night... So I ended up doing uh, the two takeaways for 710sports.com. I did one on offense, one on defense. Uh, I'll do the offense first, because that one might be the more interesting one to me, and that was the performance of CJ Procise. I think he had 32 yards or so, mm-hmm. and a touchdown on five carries. That was a one-yard touchdown down run. Yep, go on. Um, but it was it was a strong run. Why it's interesting to me is a it just uh it was interesting to see him out there. I think he would be the last player you would predict would have like a strong performance given his uh very limited playing history, starting a total not starting but playing in a total of 16 of a possible 48 games over the course of his 3-year career has ended on the injured reserve each of his 3 seasons. So two other things. Okay. Number two, it makes the running back battle really, really interesting. That's the small, immediate conversation. Uh The larger conversation related to that, number three, is how long do you keep a guy around when he's been so unavailable? And if you keep CJ Procise, it means he's taking the spot of a guy like Travis Homer, a guy like J.D. McKissick. When does your potential outweigh your availability? And when does your lack of availability just completely not matter compared to, you know, whatever potential you might have. It's an interesting conversation. Yes, it is. And unfortunately, we can't dive into all that because we would just take up the whole segment on CJ Procise. I know, I know. I could have a show about CJ Procise. To to me, this is one of the most frustrating things. And again, CJ, I love CJ. He's a great guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and and absolutely oh, enjoy, and enjoy him yeah. uh, as a teammate and all of that. Uh, with CJ, to me, he reminds me, okay, of an ex that just can't let you be happy. Where you start meeting someone else and yes. talking to someone else, and then all of a sudden you're like, yes. what is this DM you, that you, I'm, whoa, You what? are about to move on with your life with someone good, someone right. great. Where you're like, I have a good feeling, finally this person's off my right. mind. And, and that ex that just didn't work out, that you've always wanted it to work out with, 
just keeps crawling back. Yep. yep. So you can't move on. That is CJ and process. It's, a tease. it's not like a text and him. saying like, hey, I'm ready. Let's do this. Because that would be CJ process somehow guaranteeing you that he could play 16 games. No, this is your ex sending you like a song recommendation or something where you're like, why did you even text me? What is this? Why do I need to know this? Say, now I'm just aware of you. Or just saying, how you been? Yeah. Right? The, the, <laughs> exactly. That, I mean, come What's on. Up? Come on, CJ. I mean, to me, look, this guy is extremely talented, and when he is on the field, it is evident. I mean, his ability to run between the tackles, and he didn't even really get to showcase his ability to catch the football. We all know that dynamic yeah. that he brings, but uh, he would be a guy that would be a welcomed, welcomed addition to this running back group. Could you imagine a healthy CJ Pro size with Chris Carson and Rashad? Shot Penny. So that's, Incredible. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. And I know that this was Greg Bell that tweeted this, but I've said this uh, before. All of us have said this before in response to fans that say, why is he still here? I have no idea why you don't cut him. A, he's still on his rookie deal. I know it seems like he's been here a long time, right. but he's still on his rookie contract. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that I know they have a first-round pick in that group, but see, the Seahawks running back spending is like bottom third of the league because they have a seventh-round pick. They have some guys that they signed as free agents. Uh, uh, they have CJ Procise still on a rookie deal. With the exception of Rashad Penny, their guys aren't making a ton of money. Right. So he's not a super expensive guy. That's why you have him. But you've also kept him over other players that could potentially inc- contribute, and that's because of what he was able to do Correct. on Saturday. That's what Pete Carroll sees yes. uh, sometimes on the practice field. He sees a guy that can be really versatile, a different kind of running back than they already have. He's not more of the same. He's someone that uh, is the running back that you would want in 2019, as Brock says, someone that can catch the ball, that can be dynamic as a receiver and a running back. 100%. And I'll just say this. With my thought on CJ Procise is this. I love the talent. I love who, what he can bring to the table. Ultimately, it comes down to through a season, through a 16-game season in, the, in a Super Bowl run, is C.J. Procise a guy that I can count on? And to this point, that answer is no. Right, fairly. And so Even that, if you like him, you have to say it, no. And so to that, that's where you have a J.D. McKissick, you have a Travis Homer, you have some of these other guys that, I think are more reliable that will be there for you throughout the season and that's why I would go with those guys mm-hmm. but again you just see why this is such a tortured decision now he's and on will your mind again through Pete Carroll and John Schneider and yes for me too okay right and and so CJ thank you for that you out of nowhere he did he, when you were moving on with Travis Homer exactly and said hey just, Hey, it's what's just, up? Hey. It's just not okay. What just are you thinking about? With, playing with my emotions and my feelings. You All go right, into yours because mine's related let, to yours. Let, let's, let's move on to these next takeaways. Okay, so to me, uh, John Ursua, receiver John Ursua, I believe has solidified himself a spot on this roster. Mm. And I could see him being a guy that they might try and sneak onto the practice squad. Sure. I think that that would be a mistake. I think John, unfortunately, hasn't had the chance to work with Russell in game situations. But yeah. from what we've seen, that guy just consistently pops in every single game that he's played. He has great feel, great knack. That's why they traded up in the draft to get him because of his spatial awareness. And everybody wants to compare him to Doug Baldwin. I don't think that's a fair comparison because I think they're two different guys. Mm-hmm. However, they play the same position and have the same type of feel mm-hmm. and ability to make plays after the catch. And so I think John would be a very welcomed addition to that receiving core totally and agree. a guy that would gain Russell's trust very quickly 
in the season. Yeah, uh, second to all receivers Saturday in yards. That was 225-plus receptions. And you can just see, like you said, the Doug Baldwin comparison isn't totally fair, but I think it's the first thing people think of when they watch him, even reporters that have been covering this team for a while, because when they see him, he just has this uncanny ability to just kind of maintain balance. When he catches the ball, he can evade guys, and you have no idea how he's doing it. It looks like he's hovering two inches above the ground. It's unreal. I agree. What do you got next? Okay. What do you got? I'm going to actually have you expand more on this because I'm interested to hear your point about the defense. Um, I talked about how this was the really the first time fans could see the starting linebacker trio on the field together yeah. uh, with Michael Kendricks, K.J. Wright, and Bobby Wagner. Uh, there were moments that weren't great at, with the, for the defense as a whole, but overall, uh, they really improved on their two prior preseason performances. Undoubtedly, the starters being out there were part of that. Uh, Kendricks had that really important back-to-back stop on third and later fourth down yes. to force a turnover on downs. I think a good game for him. Animal. I want to hear your point about containing the edge because I have questions about it that I think the kind of average football fan might right. have for that. Well, there's there's really two things. Is One, yes, with a clear difference with Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright being out there, Michael Kendricks, I mean, that is just a really fun linebacking group to mm-hmm. watch and they're going to make a ton of plays. But it was good for Bobby and K.J. to get out there together because you yeah. could see that there were some assignment deals that they were off on just a little bit or you know a, a receiver or a tight end uh, got himself open in situations where Bobby and KJ usually close on that uh, during the season. So mm-hmm. again, just shaking off the rust a little bit, nothing to be concerned about. But the biggest thing is the containment of the quarterback and a scrambling quarterback and Tyrod Taylor and the rest of the crew that play uh, Cardell Jones and uh, Easton Stick, that those guys had their way uh, getting in and out of the pocket and, and being able to extend plays. And the problem with that, Stacy, is one, you're not getting enough pressure on the quarterback. Two, if you're allowing him to extend plays, he, that puts that much more pressure on a secondary that you're already concerned about mm-hmm. in terms of sticking onto their assignments. And it just makes everybody's job tough in pass in, in pass coverage, um, and so uh, with all that being said, it, it was more of to me it was more missed assignments, guys not rushing in their gap the way that they're supposed to. Like one, Tyrod Taylor had that I believe it was that twenty yard run. Yeah, it was, so that's it was, what I was going to say. It was Cassius Marsh choosing to take an inside rush instead of keeping his contain on the outside he kind of went from a home run shot there to hoping to get to the quarterback and instead he left a huge gaping hole for Tyrod Taylor to escape out of those are the types of things that if you're only going to rush for Stacy mm-hmm. you either have to get home to the quarterback or you have to contain him and make him feel like the pocket is suffocating around him in order to really get the effect needed for that secondary and those linebackers to benefit from that type of rush. So, and that was actually my question for you, and we can kind of sum it up quickly, but it was uh, LA's second possession of the entire game, starts at about 9-12 in the game, their second first down. Uh, so, like you said, the Tyra Taylor, 20-yard scramble. Um, again, you pretty much answered it, but I think fans, you know, while we have a football expert on with us right now, fans might wonder, like, is that a personnel thing? Is it a communication thing? What does it mean to lose containment on the edge? Is that uh, you know, they know that, uh, fans know there's a problem with defensive end depth. Is it that? What what's it, an easy fix? Not an easy fix, but what's the quickest fix for Seattle there? Well, one, it's more of a mental error uh, than anything. Is just 
not choosing to to do your exact assignment mm-hmm. on that given play. But I also think it goes to talk about the depth. And I think this defensive line looks a lot different when you've got Ziggy Ansah rushing the passer. When you, uh, if, if you did trade for an Everson Griffin or a Jadavian Clowney type of uh, of defensive end. That affects the picture and changes the picture. And so that's where it's going to be really interesting, Stacey. There's going to be a lot of moves that happen Mm -hmm. uh, in the next couple days after this preseason game on Thursday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there's going to be a lot of movement. It's going to be a busy weekend. Yes, it is. It's going to be a lot for us to track. And I can't wait to see what this roster ultimately looks like because this is a group that's got a lot in place to make a big, big run if everything can come together for them. So... um, Again, uh, I think week three to sum it up was very encouraging. Stacy, mm-hmm. definitely their best performance yet uh, as a whole offense, defense, and special teams. Um, and and you know, game four is going to be more of those guys that are at the bottom end of the roster, really trying to fight their way and claw their way back up uh, into a roster spot. And for all the other thirty-one NFL teams, yeah, this is an audition for them. So, going to be fascinating to see how it ends up. Uh, please text in your questions. Yes. Our next segment: ask us anything. This is always a segment traditionally that has been a blast. So send us your questions, anything you want, whether it's it's football information, baseball information, uh, whatever you want, you name it, throw it out there. We'll be back on Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I am Jay Keeps here with Stacy Ross. Again, Stacy. Jake. I think I made it. I think I've I'm made so it through as a lead you. host for a show. This is You guys, Jake has been killing it. Calm and cool under pressure. Well, I don't know about that. I've been very stressed out, honestly, but uh, I would say very cool to have a new first here on radio. Yeah. So uh, cool to get this. I think you can lead every time now. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I might prefer you doing it. And Curtis, you guys are so much better. But uh, I think I prefer you and Curtis doing it. Are you it. sure? But I, just, it's good to know that if anything happened, that I could do it. And if anything I'm gonna happens con- to us. That's right. <laughs> I, I, again, there's been situations where that has happened. Look, if Curtis and I die, you guys will still have Seattle sports at night. It'll no, be we just won't Jake. go as morbid or as drastic okay. as that. But, no, you're right. You know, it, it's good. You know, anything happened to you, emergency you know, sickness right. or, you know, you just get called up. You just shoot up the ladder and get promoted and we're <laughs> right before we're about to do a show. I mean, uh, who knows? So, yeah, you never know. Anyways. All right. Let's get into Ask Us Anything, one of our favorite segments. Uh, you guys came with the fire with some of these questions. What, what do you got, Stacy? All right. Never too late to text those. Coors Light text line 710-710. Jake, do you have a, it's spider season, just so you know. Uh, the 206 wants to know if in your family you have to kill all the spiders. I want to know yeah. if in your family you have to kill all the spiders and if there's a horror story with a spider. Uh, yes. So okay. uh, spider season is the worst it's part awful. of the year. Uh, I know they're with, out here just Without a doubt. People, and especially but... being a new homeowner and we had an older house, like this is <gasps> this is a bad time for me right now. And I will say that my spider killing skills are lacking to say the least. Oh, no. When you talk about a percentage... I do not get the spider the first time. 
Oh, okay. So it is about probably... Is it, a, a, is it like a fear? Like you don't like a, crushing bugs? A set, no, no, no. I have no problem with that. It's an accuracy issue. It, it is an accuracy issue. And also, just as I get close to the kill with a spider, I always think arachnophobia, like the spider's just going to jump up and, and, <laughs> and attack me. That's always like the last second sometimes thought that I have. Sometimes it's a battle of the wits. It's That's a little right. game of chicken between you and the spider exactly. sometimes. So there's a little hesitation in there. But I would say probably there's a 70% miss rate. For wow. me. Yeah, way too high. So literally, it'll be up on the ceiling, and I'll go to stab it, and it'll fall down, and it'll be like, where'd the spider okay, go? Okay, because I will say that's So the that thing. is my horror stories. Yes. And, and Brooke, like, I'm sorry, babe. I try hard every wow. single time, and it fails, and- You're yeah, endangering it, it, your family. It, I am endangering my family. It's a bad moment. I so. will say for most people, if you miss the first time on a spider, you don't get a second shot. There's no strike two, strike three situation. Correct. It's That's it. It's your only at bat. Because exactly. spiders, once they get away from you, they'll run away so fast. You'll never see right. them again and except for in your nightmares. And if you have carpet that's- If you have carpet yes. like we do that is very, very dark and mixed, it is hard to sp- uh, spot a spider. So, been in that situation uh, way too many times. I will say, however, Stacey, that uh, my percentage, just like Kyle Seeger's batting average, yeah. is steadily rising. There you go. So, I have improved over the last little bit. Proud of you. I, I'm a big believer in, I'm also a very short person, so I'm a big believer in using vacuums to suck up spiders. Oh, I that's know a that, cop out. No, I know that people will say this is mean. Well, sometimes I can't reach them, even if I stand on yeah, a Yeah, but aren't they alive in the vacuum? What? Are they still alive in the vacuum? That's uh, my question. Probably not for very long. Like sitting in the dustpan, are they alive? They have to be. You're oh not my killing God. it. Jake. Oh my God. Just saying, what if the spider just crawls out of Don't the vacuum? Don't say that. I don't know. I mean, he's in there now. I just, you know, Do you use check? the vacuum. Do you check the bodies? No. Like, I'm no. just saying. Oh my God, that's horrifying. I'm, I'm moving on to the next question because I feel like there's things crawling you on me. You should be smashing uh, it. What's the worst thing you've ever eaten out of politeness? Um... I have been known to be a picky eater, so... I know you don't like salsa, which is offensive to well, me. Well, I have come around on that, That's actually. Oh, I'm proud of you. I have come around Good on job, that. Good job, buddy. Yes, thank you. Um, I tried some at Montezuma's. Uh, oh, Mexican it's restaurant. good. Me and my sister Close go by. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The salsa's pretty good there. Their salsa might be the best. Yeah, nice and spicy. Um, I would say that usually anything with onions, peppers, okay. like it, it, if I can see it like that, on food, Got I'm it. not eating. Okay, so you prefer so, that foods be uh, blended into a liquid. Correct, and uh, just just the like the onions, just just chop it up, mix it mix it up in there. You so want I it can't to be like di- like like a I don't minuscule. Want, I don't want to be able to taste it, feel the texture, notice okay. that it's there. Okay, if I do, I and I'm eating it. Just know that I'm eating it because I love you, hmm. or this is a situation that I can't avoid. That's gross. Um, I can't think of anything. I like most foods. Worst thing I've ever eaten out of politeness. I I do hate mayonnaise a lot, and there's been many a time being a kid at a at a friend's house where the parents will make sandwiches and there's just way right. too much mayonnaise but I don't want to be rude that's certainly that's probably my best example of like routinely eating things out of yes. politeness I routinely mayo, eat mayonnaise out of politeness mayo is one of those things for me too I, I don't mind it as much now but it has to be like a very thin or slice like an aioli. I don't understand about mayo like what is up with people just slathering oh mayo all over it it's disgusting like it's I've never seen anybody just have a very nice thin you no. know layer of mayo it has to be just dry and did you ever notice it. that if you go to a subway or something and you say, can Ooh. I go light on the mayo? Yeah. They still put on too much. 100%. Because 
regular people that no not regular people abnormal people that go in and they want I would a say lot regular. they like dip the sandwich in it it's, it's offensive crazy. I to bet me. you I bet you Curtis Rogers is a mayo just smotherer he just Ew, lays he totally just is. as our PB and J take oh, over last it. week that uh, I, I question him a little bit I can't bit believe now. how offended he was that we hadn't had grilled <laughs> peanut butter and jelly like he really thought that we were the weird ones I know that was the best part um Jake how did you almost die um, I don't think they know that you won't. I think it's just a question about how have you almost died. Yeah. So I, I would say that there have been some near-death experiences, Got it. give or take. Um, well, there was the spider. That's one. <laughs> right. My daily encounters with spiders are almost a deathly experience. Um, I would say that uh, this wasn't a near-death experience, but this felt like I was going to die okay. in the moment. Okay. So we're in the summer right now. We're in boating season, jet skiing season, having fun on the lake. I was about nine years old with my dad, and we are dry, We're you know just cruising around this mm-hmm. jet ski, having a blast. And all of a sudden, the jet ski just dies on us midway, mid-go, and we tip over, we <gasps> fall over, and the jet ski lands on... like. I'm underneath the jet ski, <gasps> underneath, and, and my head's oh my there. God. And, like, I can't, at nine years old, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I get out of this? How do I we get up for air? We almost lost you, dude. And, and, again, it probably was anything stupid. I just, like, dude, just push it away from you and uh, get no, up. No, it probably was but, a serious thing. But uh, it felt like I was going to die. And I got up, and I couldn't recover from that. I refused yeah. uh, for a long time to ever get on the water with like a jet ski or anything like that. Have and you jet skied since? I have. It was my honeymoon. It's been the last time I Did had jet skied from that experience. No, actually, this <laughs> is a, re- this is a reveal here. And our jet skiing experience, we were out on the Cayman Islands, and we were learning how to jet ski, and everybody's cruising and taking off, and we were the last ones to take off and we are in everybody's wake so all the waves that were generated were coming at us the wind and the waves are blowing at us too this is where there's a black and white flashback are, that you have we are going and we are hitting every single wave and the water is just splashing us in the face every time oh god oh for for a good 10 minutes it was horrible and eventually we caught up but that's unfortunate yeah that was two bad jet skiing experiences uh much like you almost drowned i almost died uh I was thinking about this one. The closest, um, a, a horse did bite me one time. I think that that's an important thing to know. That could have been bad. That's not a <laughs> no, experience. it could have, Jake. Okay. You don't know what kind of diseases these animals carry. Sure. Uh, its sure. teeth are very flat. It's basically like your body got shut in a door. Um, I don't. I don't trust you around horses, especially what? after our last conversation. I've been to horse camp for two th- summers in a row. Yeah, but you you've been around for horse camp for two summers, but you thought I could jump over a horse. You said I can jump. No, over No, I horse, could Jake. jump horses. I'm gonna find over. the audio again because you can hear it. I never said over. No, it's me saying. You say, "Have you ever jumped a horse?" And I said, "Like jump over things, like jump over a horse." And you said, "Yeah, jump over things with a horse." So yes, I think it was both of us misunderstood. Mm. Look, anyways, the other thing that happened at horse camp is where I, uh, you put the horses in a pin, uh-huh. and uh, you you shut the little uh, the the gate is like kind of a gate, but it's also there's like this electric fence you have to hook back up. And I grabbed instead of grabbing the handle where you hook up the fence to yeah. keep the current going, I grabbed the 
the wire and oh, shocked myself. My so that's gosh. probably the more realistic Stacey. depiction of it is that I grabbed onto an electric fence for horses. <laughs> and I didn't who's, die. Whose idea was to let you go to horse camp? That just sounded like a really bad experience. I don't know. I uh, bad idea. was obviously the best. Okay, last question. Um, <laughs> is there a movie Clearly. that you cannot wait for? Mine is the new Star Wars movie. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, so the Star Wars movie, I am just jacked up about. I, I, can't, I can't wait, wait. for that. That's going to be a great one. Are you a big, like, uh, Ray and uh, Kylo no, are destined no, to be together? No, yeah. No. Kylo Ren, are you kidding me? Ray <laughs> can do so much better than him. I mean, she okay? could, but also, like, I think he's no. a nice guy underneath it all. No, he's not. I feel like maybe he's just misunderstood. Yes. Did he kill a lot of people? Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> There's something is, there. I, I I can't get on board with okay. that, Stacey. Not That's even fine. close. Uh, I would say probably any of the Marvel Avengers movies, I am totally down for. Ooh, so yeah. I'm excited. They announced that uh, the new Black uh, the Black Widow movie is going to come out. That'll be great. Did you see Kit Harington uh, slash Jon Snow is now going to be in Marvel stuff? Really? Yeah, because I think Disney Plus announced all their new streaming stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure. And that there's a new Marvel series. And Kit Harrington, oh nice, the guy that played Jon Snow, was going to be in it. Yeah, okay, cool. That'll be that'll be sweet. And then uh, and then they got the new Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Panther is going to be Black Panther Two is going to be coming out. So any any of those movies, I'm totally hooked into that series. I Fair. think they do an amazing job with every single one of those. So all right, that's all I got. Okay, all right. Well, thank you for tuning in. I hope that uh, this this ride with me at, as the host wasn't too bumpy, but uh, it will happen again at some point <laughs> it's been in time. Great. So hang, I appreciate you guys hanging with me. Stacy. been an awesome co-host today with along with me. That'll do it for us on Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN.